Ephesians 4.27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. Have you thought about the meaning of that scripture? I've heard sermons about be angry and sin not, but the speaker never said what to do with my anger. The implication is just bury it, pretend it doesn't matter, or sweep it under the rug. The lack of instruction of what to do with your anger can really be destructive to ourselves and to those around us. Welcome to the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Foundations International. Our desire is to equip you with biblical truth to empower you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. For more, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. Now, here's your podcast. This is Lee Whitman with the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast. This podcast was written by my wife, Cindy, but I'm going to post it while she's recovering from back surgery. I hope you'll be blessed. If you do a Google search on anger, the following pops up. Anger and depression, anger and dementia, anger and mental health, anger and being unhappy. It seems that when Paul was talking about be angry and sin not, It was intended to keep us from having some long-term physical, emotional, and spiritual problems. So how can we be angry and sin not? Well, let's look at the ways in which we express anger. Often we express anger in words or actions. Our words are powerful, and as the scripture says, there is death and life in the power of the tongue, according to Proverbs 18.21. Our words can build others up, or they can tear them down. When spoken in anger, words are often destructive. Psychologists would tell you that when a child overhears or experiences angry exchanges on a regular basis, it can cause secondary trauma. Often the child is convinced that they are responsible for the anger of the parents. They learn to blame themselves for the situation. They begin believing things like, when something's wrong, it's my fault. Often they carry this thought throughout their childhood into adulthood. It shapes them. They blame themselves for everything. No matter the situation, this lie is reinforced in their thinking process. As a child, they learn to escape the angry situation, often through hiding. Sometimes the hiding is literal. Other times the child shrinks inside of themselves. As an adult, their thinking process has been reinforced by many experiences, causing them to blame themselves for everything. One possible behavior that this belief is a person who constantly apologizes. I'm sorry is often on their lips. Over and over again, they apologize. It's annoying to say the least. What about our reactions or actions when we're angry? Besides the yelling, what behaviors do we have? Things like slamming doors, hitting walls, or other things, or even worse, hitting someone in a fit of rage. Most of us would agree that acting out or expressing our anger by hitting others is wrong, but is it wrong to hit things? Well, what happens to those around you when anger is expressed in this way? You know, when a dad reacts in this anger, in this manner, the women and children around him have a fear response. They shrink back, they try to escape, or 
the mom will try to protect her children, and then she will go into fight mode. When men are confronted in anger, they most often react with fear, and then they have a fight response. The situation can escalate easily and quickly. Nothing good comes from this kind of response. Even if you're by yourself hitting a wall with your fist, it will possibly damage your hand and the wall. But emotions are given to us by God. Emotions by themselves are neither good nor bad. Even the emotion of anger when it's expressed at God, it's a God-given emotion. The Bible says to be angry, so the emotion is not bad, but it also goes on to say, but sin not. It's what happens when we're angry that might be the sinful reaction. So what do we do with our anger? That's kind of the topic for today. I know when I've thought of this scripture, I most often have thoughts about being angry at someone for something they did or didn't do. Someone hurt me, and now I'm angry. Our anger is often towards the people that we are the closest to, people like our parents, our children, our grandparents, our coworkers. Why is it that anger at those closest to us is most difficult to let go of? Well, it's because they matter most to us. They have the most influence in our lives. People who we don't care about and have little influence in our lives, and thus their behavior has little impact on us. But the behavior of those who are close to us has a big impact. Let's talk about a few possible scenarios. Let's say that a guy cuts you off in traffic, or worse, he hits your car and then denies it was his fault. Would you find yourself dealing with anger in that situation? Of course, the situation is unjust. It's wrong, and for no fault of your own, now you have a damaged car. Let's say that his insurance denies payment, and although you have insurance, it will make your rates go up. So how do you be angry and sin not in this very unjust situation? I think of a very common tendency, and that's to name call. That guy's such a jerk. He's an idiot. Or I wish he would get paid back by having something bad happen to him. Those are common reactions. Think about what has just happened for a moment. Think about the words that were spoken in anger. Often, those are called word curses. I would put word curses in the category of sin, wouldn't you? Why is that a sin? Well, another scripture, just a farther bit down from the one above in Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. When you think of those words spoken in a moment of anger, they fit in the category of unwholesome talk rather than building others up. Wow. So what do I do in a situation like that? It's tough to not let your emotions rule you and take you down the path of sin. My example was someone you didn't know that wronged you. What about someone you do know that hurts you by doing something intentionally or even unintentionally? What's the difference? Well, let's say that you have a lunch date with your best friend. You're excited about catching up and having some time together with them. You make the arrangements in your schedule to accommodate the meeting, and then they don't show up. Was that intentional or unintentional? It could be either one. They could have just blown you off, 
and not shown, not called or contacted you in any way. Another option is that they could have completely forgotten about the appointment with you, which was unintentional. Let's say that in either case, they don't say anything about it. What do you do? Well, you could say nothing and just be hurt and angry, or you could bring it up. You might say something to them like, hey, I thought we're going to meet for lunch the other day. I was really looking forward to being with you. Now, they might own it, or they might blow you off again. They might even blame it on you by saying something like, oh, I thought you were going to call me and remind me. Regardless of their response, you are left with the pain in your heart. How do you deal with anger? I remember a long time ago being very hurt by someone I loved. They wronged me. They said things that were very hurtful. They literally ripped me up one side and down the other, and then continually to verbally attack my family and my children. I was devastated. I was visiting them from out of town, so I left the house and went for a drive in the mountains. I remember sitting on an overlook sobbing, and I heard this voice in my mind say, just drive off the edge. It'll make the pain go away and it will punish them for what they did to you. Thankfully, I recognized that that was not my own thought or God's thought. I knew the enemy Satan was trying to take advantage of my hurt and anger and tempt me to take my own life. Instead, I changed my flight, went home early. This was back in the days when I had no idea what to do with my hurt and anger. I went home. This is Cindy saying this. I went home to my husband and children, but I was a wreck. I really struggled with the situation. I talked to my husband, who was a counselor, and he listened really well. However, he couldn't take away my anger and hurt. I talked to my friends, but they couldn't do anything either other than agree with me that it was a very painful situation. So finally, one day I wrote a letter to the person who hurt me. I explained how much their words had hurt me, and after about three versions of that letter, I sent it. After a few weeks, I received a reply. The person did not own the words they had said to me. They did not even acknowledge that they had said them. Their response was, if I have hurt you, I'm sorry. It was like they were blaming me for being hurt. Now I was left with a double hurt. My solution was to cut off my relationship with them for several months. I wouldn't call, email, or visit them. I would only talk to the other family members. If they picked up the phone, I would just hang up. I wasn't dealing with my anger. I was bathing in it daily. My anger fit in the category of sin. Both of the above examples deal with being angry at someone else. However, as I pondered the scripture, the Holy Spirit reminded me that it also applies to other scenarios. What about when you're not angry at another person, but you're angry at yourself? Many people deal with feelings of self-hate, shame, and unworthiness. They often blame themselves for things that are out of their control. They don't give themselves any grace for making mistakes. Do you struggle with these kinds of thoughts and feelings? Things like, I can't do anything right. I always mess things up. When something is wrong, it's my fault. In RTF, we would call these ungodly beliefs. They are destructive thoughts that do not align with what God says about us. As long as we're in agreement with these thoughts, we are agreeing with Satan 
and not God. Of course, none of us would intentionally do that, but the reality is that what we're doing is agreeing with the enemy. And it fits into the category of not giving the devil a foothold. When we are angry at ourselves, we hurt ourselves and others. Another area that the Holy Spirit pointed out to me is that we can be angry with God. Oh, you might say, I'm not angry with God. I've never been angry with God. He's perfect. Well, think about it for a moment. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring to your mind any time you have been angry with God. Most of us, at some point in our lives, have said things like, or felt things like, God, where were you when something bad happened? Or why did you allow that to happen? Why didn't you stop that from hurting me or someone I love? These kinds of thoughts and feelings are judgments against God. Most often, they are rooted in anger and disappointment that God didn't do something that you thought he should. So, we can be angry at others, we can be angry at ourselves, and we can be angry at God. Would you agree? Let's look at some of the outcomes of our anger. We already mentioned that there can be other things that are fruit of our anger. The medical doctors and psychologists draw a link from anger to mental health issues, anger and dementia, anger and depression, and other ailments that none of us want to have. So let's look at what happens relationally. Let's say that a member of your family is angry. They express their anger by slamming the door, hitting the wall, stomping around the house, or even yelling at you or others. What happens in those who experience these angry outbursts? Most frequently, those around shut down or flee to a safe place. The fleeing and finding a safe place may be literally hiding or going to another room. It also can be that they shut down internally. Children who experience that kind of anger learn quickly how to avoid the person. Sometimes the children can develop physical issues as a result of the anger. They often become fearful and distrusting of that person. And if that person is an authority figure, like a parent or a step-parent or a grandparent or significant other person in their lives, then they may develop a distrust of all authority figures. Even if the angry outburst has nothing to do with them, the reaction may still be the same. Young children do not have the ability to cognitively think that they're not responsible for another's anger. They often think and feel that it is their fault. Of course, if this is a repetitive pattern, then the child may grow up believing that when something's wrong, it's my fault, or I'm responsible for my mom and dad's anger. I must do everything I can to not make them angry. The end result is a life of codependency. They often blame themselves for others' actions, and this can lead to self-hate and depression. We must recognize the impact that our anger has on others. We must own our feelings and actions. We must not blame others by saying, you make me so angry. You know what? My thoughts and feelings are my responsibility. If I get angry at what someone else did, I can choose whether to let it affect me or not. If I choose anger and choose to act in anger, it's my choice alone. Another person does not have the power over me to make me angry. Their behavior or words may trigger something, but you still have a choice of how you're going to respond 
to that triggering. So what is the solution to our anger? When we're angry, how do we not sin and not give a foothold to the devil? We know that the solution isn't to ignore, deny, or sweep it under the rug. Whether the anger is at another person, anger at yourself, anger at the situation, or anger at God, the answer is the same. In RTF, we teach a process that we call pouring out your complaint to God. We see David do this a lot in the Psalms. Check out Psalms 142 for an example. David told God honestly how he felt. He was real with God. You can sense the change in David's heart as he pours out his complaint. Once he's gotten it all out, he begins remembering the faithfulness of God and declaring the goodness of God. So when you do this, after you get rid of all the negative junk in your heart and give it to God, then ask him to come and heal your heart. Now, you have to give those negative things to him. He's not going to come and take something that you want to hold on to. It's just amazing to watch what God does in these moments. The encounter is always real and personal. God speaks in a way that we understand. It's never the same as someone else because we're all different. When he heals the heart, he brings healing in a way that the individual can receive. If you haven't ever done something like this I'm describing, you might need some help the first time. If you struggle with anger, don't simply put up with it. You may be hurting yourself and others. It's no way to live. Learning how to process all of your negative feelings and emotions allows you to live life in a clean slate daily. Even anger at God can be healed as you tell him about your anger and then give it to him. God already knows if you're angry with him, so why not just be honest about it? I want to end this podcast by sharing a poem with you. It's called Anger at God by Jessica Shaver. I told God I was angry. I thought he'd be surprised. I thought I'd kept hostility quite cleverly disguised. I told the Lord I hate him. I told him that I hurt. I told him that it isn't fair and that he's treated me like dirt. I told God I was angry, but I'm the one surprised. What I've known all along, he said, you've finally realized. At last you have admitted what's really in your heart. Dishonesty, not anger, was keeping us apart. Even when you hate me, I don't stop loving you. Before you receive that love, you must confess what's true. In telling me the anger you genuinely feel, it loses power over you, permitting you to heal. I told God I was sorry, and he's forgiven me. The truth that I was angry has finally set me free. Father God, thank you for loving us the way we are, but loving us too much to let us stay the way we are. Help each of us to be real with you about our feelings. Teach us how to give you our frustration and anger. And then, Father, come and heal our hearts so we can give you all the negative feelings to you and they can be healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast today. We pray you are blessed and equipped with biblical truth, empowering you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. To learn more about the ministry of Restoring the Foundations International, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. 
We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.